0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of Cana, the Native American Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Marty Tubold Sr a member of the Oglala Lakota from the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. He spent his childhood in Rapid City, South Dakota, and it was at the Rapid City Central High School at the student newspaper, The Pine Needle, where he first started drawing editorial cartoons. Marty studied commercial art at the Colorado Institute of Art, and he would work in television, commercial printing, and newspapers. He would become the graphics editor for the Rapid City Journal, and later the Sioux Falls Argus Leader. He would later leave newspapers and return to college to finish his BFA at the Institute of American Indian Art in Santa Fe, New Mexico. What makes Marty so unique is that he's been a part of the digital game for so long. He's not afraid of new technology, new software, and embraces the change that comes with it every year. And it shows. When he speaks, he speaks a language that's so familiar of San Francisco or LA, uh, even though he doesn't live in those areas. But his art knowledge is of any professor that you'll find in any school. and. He really, truly has a wealth of knowledge and experience that really few can equal. So, um, one last note with with Marty is that, um, well, wait to the end. His advice to the eighteen and twenty-two year old that's listening uh, is pretty incredible. It's probably one of the best pieces of advice that I've uh, experienced on this podcast. And one last technical note: um, this conversation happened over video, uh, so there may be some instances where uh, things are being shown and we're talking about things that are on a screen that you can't see. But don't worry, uh, even though you won't be able to see uh, what we were talking about, you'll definitely be able to understand what is happening. So with that said, let's jump into this interview with Marty C. Marty Tools, thank you so much for joining us at Five Playing Questions. Uh, Thank you very much. How... How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great today. It's been kind of some nice weather lately and the buds on the trees are starting to pop. So it's really getting getting me kind of upbeat, actually. Looking forward to warm
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been looking at the, the tree I planted last uh, last year and uh, the buds are coming out and some I'm happy that it survived the winter. My so gosh. feels like a victory for this year already. <laughs> so uh if we can just jump into it okay. uh can you tell us a little bit about uh yourself your background and where you're from
1: well uh, my name is marty tubal senior i have a son marty jr who's also an artist i have uh, two children um i basically raised them and uh, you know made a career as an artist you know uh, it all started when i was uh, very young i was a uh, Uh, When I was in kindergarten, my teacher told me that I was going to grow up to be an artist someday, just by uh, the taunts I had. And when I was uh, 12 years old, I sold my first painting. And by the time I was 18, I had a one-man show. So, you know, being pushed into the arts, you know, I always wondered uh, what kind of artist I'd be exactly, you know. I had, uh, you know, at at that age, you don't really know what you're going to be, and they're, they're there are two different kinds of artists, there are the type of artists that are graphic artists, commercial artists, we used to call back then, and uh, uh, fine arts or gallery artists, you know, people that just exclusively do galleries. The, di- the difference is that uh, commercial art is a collaboration between a, a creator and a uh, a client. So you kind of do you work together to get to, to get the vision out there. Uh, the fine arts gallery artists, they're they're more You know, uh, dictatorial. You know, they they decide whatever is going to happen. You know, it could be a yellow painting, and that's that's it. It's going to be yellow. You know, so so the difference is also uh, psychological in a lot of ways. You know, some artists can do both. Some artists can only do one. You know, they they can't have the input of other people, or vice versa. You know, so when I was looking at the different careers when I was in uh, high school. I have, you know, I come from a family of artists. You know, there are uh, many artists in our family. My uncles, I, I had two uncles who were actually uh, professional artists. And uh, one was a, a fine artist, and he, he had a hard time with it. You know, then I have, of course, I had a, a cousin who, an uncle who was a commercial artist in Denver. And he had a house, regular paycheck, you know, good good neighborhood, and uh, raising his kids. So I figured that's the way to go. And so I, uh, after high school, I went to Colorado Institute of Art, which turned into Art Institute of Colorado, which now uh, no longer there anymore. But uh, in 81, it was uh, ranked pretty high in standing. So I went there for uh, two years and learned basically the the trade. So when I came back to Rapid City, there's literally no jobs. So... I had to just apply everywhere. You know, it was a high recession, and so, uh, you know, times are pretty hard. But I managed to land a job with KOTA Television in, uh, see, I was an 82 assistant to the art director there. And KOTA was NBC affiliate back then. But prior to this, a teacher instructor of mine at, uh, at CIA told me that I had to get into computers told all the students that we have to be in computers because that's the future, you know, and uh, I don't care if you have to, you know, the only place you can get computers back then was in television stations. So they said, I don't care what you have to do. If you have to mop floors or whatever it takes, you get in a television station and learn anything and everything you can. So I I took his advice and got into television uh, for a few years, learned the computers and uh the ones they had chiron machines and such and video editing was uh, still very expensive uh and then we went then from there i went to uh timberland corporation commercial printing and then uh on to uh, daily newspapers of lakota times you know the, then from there and uh, well in, in in 1985 the macintosh 512 came out and so i started working with that and uh been working with them ever since, and uh, basically, my my job actually became to integrate these computers into existing printing technologies. So, when whenever the new development came along, my job was to kind of uh, shepherd these this technology through the way we did things normally. And since I had training on both ends, it made me an ideal candidate. So, from from there, I went to University of South Dakota and. Uh, Worked there as an in-house graphic designer. Um, my claim to fame there is uh, I did their logo.
0: Oh, <laughs> the old Main logo.
1: That's me. Anyway- That's uh, you. Uh, uh, the Rapid City Journal contacted me and they wanted me to do, uh, uh, they offered me a job there as graphics editor, uh, which is a mid-management position and allowed me to be more creative in, that, in the newspaper industry. So I went to, to that newspaper for uh, uh, seven years and then from there, to the Argus Leader, which is the this, this largest newspaper in South Dakota. I was a graphics editor there. <clears throat> it was at that, that point that uh, my children were kind of grown up and so decided to go back to school. So I went to uh, Art to of the Institute of American Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico, to get my fine art degree, and uh, pretty much been there ever since. Been teaching at Oglala Lakota College and uh, at IAIA and you know, being a freelance hmm. artist.
0: Hmm. Who Who are your biggest influences? Um, as far as painting goes.
1: I have a number of influences, but uh, I tend to gravitate toward uh, the old masters, of course, you know, the Impressionists are like. You know, there are a lot of, uh, I, I guess the Impressionists are probably the most, uh, you know, the stuff I like the best. You know? mm-hmm. But, but uh, in, in in far as uh, illustration and such, I, I gravitate toward uh, like Wally Wood, uh, Richard Corbin, um, you know these guys are comic book artists, but I, I like the mastery of their ink work, and that always mm. kind of attracted me, you know, for whatever reason. But I, I tend to do uh, multidisciplinary art, which basically means I can I try to do everything, anything, you know. So, like I did a like jewelry, silver jewelry. This is a chalice. So I cast uh, the claws, and then I rust the the copper thing from a flat piece of copper. Oh, wow. So I'll do do different things, you know, whether it's sculpture or whether it's a uh, a gourdette. Okay. I I try to do everything, even uh, the cartooning stuff, you know, I got... I do editorial cartoons and I've, I've been doing them for a long time even though it's not really my focus it's kind of like a something I just do because it entertains me you know? mm-hmm. but I've been doing it every every week now for 20 some odd years
0: oh yeah so to the listener right now um, uh, Marty's showing, it looks like it's a, it's a Cintiq, is that what's that? Uh, the drawing board
1: it's yeah, Cintiq uh, um, this is where I do my cartooning stuff uh, and digital art kind of stuff I don't know if mm-hmm. you can see this if
0: can... yes so you um, you have a, a series uh, and I, I follow you online um, where so you've gone digital in in your in your comic work
1: yeah I did uh, I made that move because it's faster mm-hmm. and uh, you know, with comics, you, you kind of tend to, when you get an idea, you just throw it down. You know, it's, it's like telling a joke. You tell a joke real quick and you're out. <laughs> so.
0: This, so I don't know if you can see behind me. I have a Cintiq oh, al- yeah. also. Uh, I'm a storyboard artist. Huh. And, and so uh, it's it's the same thing. Um, as far as being quick, you know, and you don't have to worry about scanning and, and uh, doing the additional steps to to get your work out there. Um, How was that process for you uh, switching from pen and paper to drawing on a screen?
1: Uh, It wasn't difficult because I started with this, you know. So okay, with with the mouse back in 84 it was it was difficult to get started because you're you're drawing like this instead of you're looking at a finite thing like a pencil and pen, Hmm. you know, so instead of making contact with the paper, in a point, you're actually making it with the middle of your hand, wherever that uh, you know tracking is. You know, in this case mm-hmm. it's up near the front, but the old tracking balls were kind of down near your palm, so you had to learn to draw like this instead of like this. Oh wow! Yeah. So, for me, it wasn't it wasn't a very hard thing to do because we were always taught in our school to, to draw so our whole hand, you know. And, that's
0: right. So that's right. They told us to avoid locking your your hand yeah. uh, as you're trying to draw.
1: I call it scratching. I tell my students not to do this. It's called scratching, where you're just going like this. They got to do your You mm-hmm. know, so your lines aren't scratchy.
0: It's it's interesting that in '84 uh, you were you were already ahead of it, uh, looking at digital and hearing about it. Um, when I was in school, um, my instructor he was talking about a lesson back in when he was in school and his instructor this is back in, I think 72 uh, wheeled in this, this television. And he told uh, his students to take a look at the screen. And it was the first time he had seen some sort of digital animation. And it was, it was basically just um, a a wire mock-up of a street. And it was like, you're rolling down the street and you see these wire houses going by And his instructor said, this is the future of animation, uh, so understand it and learn it. Well, his instructor was Chuck Jones, who was the creator of Bugs Bunny. And so he saw that back in 72. And I think it's just so interesting that uh, here we are today, you know. uh, Well, you know, when uh, when I was at
1: at CIA in 81, uh, 82, the makers of Tron came in. MovieTron uh, oh. and uh, oh wow, they were still in video editing, but they had a Cray 1000 supercomputer. And back then, there was only two in existence, so they're doing the rendering then. And uh, you know, at the time, we were we we're learning how to do T squares and stuff, and uh, you know, did environment two-dimensional, three D environmental environment. So we understood what it took to take like a grid and then have it move across the field. And if you did that, twenty-four frames per second. You'd have thousands of computations that you'd have to make to do that. You know, draw, just drawing. You know, and math, math, and mm-hmm. geometry. Uh, and so when we saw these motorcycles take shape and then just take off and shoot down a a, uh, a grid like that, it just blew us all away. You know, it's thousands and thousands of mathematical points it's going through just to make that that you know 30 seconds of film. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine even quit college because he said, "I I can't do that."
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the, of course, the the way the technology advances now, you know, uh, using they they use different three um, D software programs like Maya, and we of course, it makes it's still very hard work, but mm-hmm. it, it's really simplified the whole process as well.
1: Well, what it, what enables people to do is that. Once once you put the work in, then you can spin it around. And, yep. Then you don't have to draw it anymore. So once once the model is there, you know a lot like this digital stuff. You know, you're working in layers, and uh, once you, once you get something down, you can change the color. You can do different things, different techniques to it. You
0: know,
1: once the initial work is
0: done. <clears throat> What's your preferred software that you use?
1: Uh, Depends on what I'm doing. I'll... I have to use uh, Photoshop for digital stuff. I use uh, uh, Illustrator for uh, like logos and things that have to be enlarged and reduced. Uh, I do InDesign for uh, page mockups and uh, you know, that pretty much wraps it up, but I also do animation and stuff like that too as well. Mm-hmm. So I use Premiere and uh, Animate, just whatever I can get with Adobe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got that creative suite. Um, I really enjoy that that program.
1: But well, when, when Mac first came out, there was Mac Draw, Mac Paint and then Mac Light. Yeah. So those are the granddaddy that was vector with, uh, <laughs> you know, raster and digital uh, word processing. Mm-hmm. So once once you saw those develop, it just seemed like they're just more tools. you know you got the little toolbox oh you got a paintbrush or you got a filter or whatever you know. mm-hmm. but basically it's still a basic program. Yeah. But back then, we only had 512K, and uh, the Super Mac came out, and it was 20K, 20 megs. And we thought, wow, man, what are we going to do with all that
0: power? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like. Yeah. We can go to the moon now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you did touch on this a little bit, but uh, how have you developed your career, uh, both college and post-college?
1: Well, I always wanted to be in the forefront of technology i I still believe that way. I think uh young artists and well anybody should be on the forefront of technology. It's changing all the time and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, if you were to say uh, one plus one is two, two plus two is four, four plus four is eight, et cetera. If you did that for thirty days, you'd hit a million. you know and so it's it's curved like this this data curve. And as the data gets better and better, and chips get smaller and smaller, these computers get faster and faster, that curve is gonna go up, you know? And so these computers are not doing stuff that that are unimaginable, you know, two, five, 10 years ago, you know? We, we carry around these things, you know? And in a few years, our our grandchildren and children be laughing at us for carrying those things around. And mm-hmm. so we don't know what the next development is. But the people that do know are the ones that make the money are the ones that make a living. And it's the people that, that refuse to learn that are left behind. You know? yep. I always use that analogy of the the wagon wheel repairman. You know, every, every town had one. You know, then when the cars come along, you know, it, it's done, you know. The, now there's maybe four or five wagon repeal men in the country and you probably got some cool beard be. He's <laughs> some millennial guy, you know.
0: <laughs> and they're only, they're, they're only working at the end of the summer yeah. after all the festivals are over.
1: Yeah. And it costs more than a rubber tire, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so technology so- moves fast and, and it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. You know, what, what you're doing now would have cost thousands of dollars in the 80s. Even mm-hmm. video, even film would have been just out of reach. A video mm-hmm. camera was thousands of dollars. A film camera was just, just unreachable. But as these prices come down, then it allows more people to create in these mediums. So you're seeing a, a big jump in it, yeah. You know? and, and you're seeing a lot of abuses, yeah. You know? There's this big tip, TikTok craze and stuff like that, where people are making millions of dollars, you know, just being, mm-hmm. just for being on a video format, you know, a computer format.
0: Yeah, you know, they absolutely zero talent. <laughs> I think to that, there's also you know, with with the cheaper prices, there's accessibility. Yeah, and so you have a lot of people who um, who maybe wouldn't have been able to to put their work out there or have access to resources um, to be able to to work now. And a comment that was made uh, by someone who works in the, the film industry says that, and they went through um, probably 30 years ago now, that the kids that are coming up in high school are at an ability level that they couldn't have competed with when they were their age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just because of um, the ability to do work digitally or be able to access, you know, like go online and you can put a Pinterest board together, um, which is free, or you pay 30 bucks, you know, for an art book, um, which a lot of people can't afford. Mm-hmm. So I think resources are much more available now than they were mm-hmm. uh, years ago. As it, as it
1: brings in more talent and more people doing stuff, it also lessens uh, the value of the product you know, what happened to newspapers, you know, it's happening to film, it's happening to music. going can mm-hmm. happen to every other industry as it, as it, it grows and grows. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said, as these computers get smarter, now you can, do, do, you can edit the, the audio as well as video that you couldn't do before. So now you're affecting movies and movies are having a hard time right now. Uh, people are losing jobs left and right. You know, that will never come back.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something that uh, Bill Watterson said about, because the, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes were, when he was a kid, um, you know, Sunday comics were, were full pages, multi-pages. Mm-hmm. And as the technology changed, it got smaller and smaller. And now you have maybe one sheet uh, once a week of comics with, very smaller spaces now uh, people don't value that work like they used to oh, yeah
1: and, and then you got people like uh blondie which had three outlived three creators and beetle bailey and people like people like that are no longer alive their mm-hmm. comics are still out there peanuts and mm-hmm. so the young talent can't get in true you know very true and if, if newspapers takes one of those people out then the readership gets mad you know They don't dare touch them.
0: So how do you seek opportunities? And how have those opportunities changed over time?
1: Uh, Well, for my work, um, it it seems like I try to stay ahead of these things. You know, I've been in newspapers. So I read all the articles. I see what technology is coming up. And I try to get a grasp on it, handle on it. Then I learn everything I can about it. And then... uh, adapt it to what I do you know like you know websites first came out I was doing that that kind of thing you know and and now you know you have these uh, encrypted uh, digital artwork out there now you know and uh, that's something new that I'm kind of looking into as well but you also have all, online third-party printers so you can get things done like t-shirts and things like that and merchandise and sell that online to help supplement your, uh, you know, the money you need to work. Because, you know, it gets harder and harder. You know, younger people have to. I think they have a bigger struggle now because, you know, you have so many people out there doing it, so many people available. But How do you make yourself stand out, you know, in this crowd?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and everything's changing. You know, the, the whole gallery system has changed, you know. Ten years ago, people thought you're crazy. If, if you said, oh, they're going to sell uh, Picasso online, you know. Banksy, they're going to sell for millions of dollars. It's ah, it never happened. Mm-hmm. It's galleries, you know, now now they're hurting. Yeah. Now you read about these guys selling these things online, sight screen sometimes, you know, just the name. They'll go for millions of dollars.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's funny how the landscape is always changing. Yeah,
1: hmm. so that's why you gotta stay ahead of it. I try. <laughs> uh, the
0: The final question um, is: uh, What would you say to the eighteen or the twenty two year old that's listening to this?
1: Well, I'd say uh, get in the computers, but don't be a user. Be a maker. Uh, they they get they get on the opposite end of it. You, you play games and stuff, and you think you're really computer savvy, but you're not. The guys that are savvy are the guys making the games, yeah, you are know, making the apps, are making the content. And as long as you're a user, then you're just a consumer. And as a consumer, you're just a, a now you're a commodity. You're you're, you're traded. You're your phone numbers and your emails are traded and bought and sold. You know, people like Facebook take advantage of you. You know. When when you become the product, then you become the problem. Yeah. You know, and basically what I tell young people is that you gotta get on the other end of it. You gotta learn coding, you gotta learn what's going on with computers. Because they're not going away. And they're gonna always change, you know, so. Hmm.
0: Where, uh, where can someone find your work online or where, where can they connect with what you do?
1: Well, uh, mtubles.com is my website. I'm uh, working on updating it now. And of course, Facebook and uh, Euclid Comics, um, Universal Press Syndicate, that too uh, handles my stuff uh, nationally. And um, basically, you just search on my name too. A stuff pops up.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, you know, you're, like I said earlier, um, your, your political commentary is on there. It's great. It's biting. Uh, it provides real, uh, real content or context to what's happening out there. Um, I did want to share something with you though. And, uh, the listener can't see this, but, uh, I'm holding up oh. a copy that's been in my house, uh, for, Decades now.
1: <laughs> that must be what?
0: Uh, that'd be 91 or 93. Yeah, I think this is 91. Yeah, that's the first 91. Thing. Yeah, huh? Yeah. But my that, my dad. What's that? Oh, we ever meet, I'll sign it for you. Oh, that, that would be <laughs> great. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, my dad picked this up on his travels out there. Oh, yeah. uh, this. And then um, there was something else. Uh, oh, uh, Robert Freeman's Oh yeah. Uh, he, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I got
1: the idea actually. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, cuz they're those are cheap and then they you know. But you yeah, I saw that thing on Amazon for uh, $85. Really? Okay, yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> available anymore. But just get up. there.
0: Yeah, it's it's not in mint condition. Uh, it's had a lot of reading over the years. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's always it's always been on the shelf and it's been appreciated. So yeah. Well, Marty, thank you so much for this. This was a this was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Sure. One
1: well, one other thing I want to mention is that I get like uh, the most I've gotten was almost a million views on my uh, Facebook, and I just recently I got uh, a quarter million. And I always think, wow, if they could only give me a penny, <laughs> I make nothing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they they got to figure out how that online content uh, can be for the artists, you know, um, whether it's, you know, like on YouTube, there's always that conversation about, you know, getting millions of views. But at the end of the day, the artist doesn't get uh, their fair cut from the big companies. Yeah, You know, nah, it's a shame. Uh, but if there's a problem, there's a solution, yeah. you know, so someone out there has got to figure this out.
1: I'm gonna start a Patreon camp. Well, I had one on, but uh, I'm gonna try to go more at it in Patreon because you know, if I can get a thousand people give me a buck, could be okay. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said you currently have a Patreon. Yeah. Account? Patreon. Okay. We'll uh, add a link to the show notes. Uh, all your links on there, okay. and people can check out your work and and connect with you. Right. So,
1: so. I'll email you those.
0: That sounds great. Marty, thank you so much. This is a real pleasure. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. And that does it for this episode of Five Plane Questions. I want to thank Marty Sr. again for his time and sharing his story with us. And check out our show notes. There's a lot of links to uh, him online, a lot of the work that he does. But there's also a connection to his Patreon account. Um, and I think it's very important in this day of age to support artists in any way that you can. And one option is a Patreon account. Um, it, it shows that you see and you support an artist's work. And it's it's hard, especially, I think, for uh, digital artists. Uh, because they, they don't, a lot of them, myself included, don't create works that go into galleries or gift shops or places where people can go and buy tangible tangible versions of this stuff. So a place like Patreon is a really great location to find artists that you admire and support, and it's a way to show the support. So if you get a chance, uh, click on that link and check him out. Uh, what was great about the conversation today with Marty Sr. was that he Being a digital artist and going to school for illustration kind of brought back some thoughts that I had about my schooling experience. Um, I was kind of pressured when I was younger to go to a school uh, more to please other people than opposed to what best suited me. And after a year, I realized, you know, that the school that I first went to wasn't a fit for me, and I eventually moved on to a place that, that did work for me. But I lost something in that, and it's the commodity that we can never replace, and that's time. And that's something that, especially after 2020, is something that's very, very important, Uh, the the valuing of time. And so to my young listener, if you're you're looking at a career change or getting into school, look for a program that best suits you, not what best suits other people. Because at the end of the day, the time that you invest is for you. And, yeah, I just think it's something to, to think about moving forward. Well, more importantly, uh, <laughs> is I, I want to thank you for spending your time uh, to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week uh, as I speak to a really, another really incredible person. I'm Jim Williams. You can find me on Canada, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity of my Native American Artists on Facebook or at the PlainsArt.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. Uh, Currently, we have Roger Rohrer's Things I Remember uh, exhibition at the Plains. So you have a couple months left. Go check it out. It is absolutely worth looking at his monoprints. He is a master of what he does. And if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview please look me up on Facebook and message me. I would really like to hear from you. All right, that's it. You take care, and I'll see you next week.